Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm Welcome to a Cigar Hustlers Podcast, where we take a closer look at the people of the cigar industry with your host, Mike and Mike. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Mike, too. And this is a Cigar Hustlers podcast. We have a very special nomad with us this fine day. Hello? I didn't understand. You, I didn't you know you were going you to me. This me? is new. I didn't know you were going to me. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, we have a nomad in the uh, studio today. Yeah, and uh, uh, what's your name, Mr. Nomad? Uh, Fred Rui. Oh, Fred oh, Rui. Oh, Fred Rui from, from Nomad, Nomad Cigars. Cigars. Oh, look at that. That was in sequence. <laughs> like this, this is a polished show. Been, <laughs> right out of the gate. We've this been is, rehearsing this, all day. This is, this is impressive. This yeah, is, no, you know. We have a, you know, a witty banter back and forth continuously throughout the entire day. <laughs> witty, oh, well, you've just totally set it up. Witty banter. Witty banter. Oh, I, I'm going to expect some witty banter. I'm just going to sit back and watch. I mean, this is. The, well, then this well, will that's be. It. We just talk amongst ourselves. We just like you here to. Yeah, then this will be watch. our second most boring podcast ever then yeah good, <laughs> show. good show good show hey thanks for having me uh, i'll see you guys later so fred is obviously the owner of nomad cigars um he makes some some pretty fucking awesome blends uh, i'm a big fan of the fin de los mundos that just came out um coming out of the, the black label factory and um we're gonna learn a little bit about fred today you need to face the microphone oh like this yeah is this better yeah it's better because when you turn and look at me i'm the only one that can hear i you. need a special mic where this is going to happen. I'm the special mic. Well, that's true. But I need a second special mic. Something that I can move around and stuff because I hate being contained. This is episode seven, right? I, I believe so. Yeah, I, I just want to be able to say seven. where the jumping the shark moment was of <laughs> this, of this podcast. We're on track so far. I, I mean, mean we, it, it may not go that way, but I'm just saying I we're on track. I think probably <laughs> at one or two, but, you know, that's fine. We can go with seven. That's fine. Um, all right, so let's get started here. I got you here noted that you were a public speaker at the National uh, Speaker Association for 10 years. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I used to uh, kind of motivational, but more business entrepreneurial based. So it was really just a matter of, you know, did you have the guts to be on stage in front of, you know, 500 people or a thousand people? And, and, you know, I was one of those guys that always had to have some sort of PowerPoint. Just even if there's just a bullet on there to keep me on track, I, right. I'd always admire the guys that could get up there and everybody's like, "Oh, you're a really good speaker." It's just because I was comfortable on stage, right? But um, the guys that could go like you know two hours and never have a bullet, I'm like, I was never that guy. But I, I enjoyed it, and I, I always would re, you know research the audience and find out what they needed to know and stuff like that. So I had a lot of fun with that, and and it's it's a tough group to get in because I mean the, the the process, you know, that's why you never lose your membership once you have it because you had to do like I think it was twelve paid gigs in a year that they verified and um mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of a neat group and but every time i go to like their convention which is every couple years um those guys are like way better than me <laughs> so is it like a gang affiliation where they gotta you gotta beat in they yeah you get yeah you get patches <laughs> right. and stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely. And, they, and if you wanted to leave they'd probably have to beat you out as well well yeah they have to cut off the patches yeah, there's oh. a big tattoo on our back oh, now so it's like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly that makes sense <laughs> okay cool. burn if you want to leave Very yeah nice. that's right that's right <laughs> so you had a podcast called be the lime Correct. I did, I did, and um, I just need to get back and do it. It's just a time thing. I think it's like it, you know, it was great. I loved it. Yeah, I it, it last week, and it's I fun. To it's fun. It, it was it was all marketing based, um, which is kind of my my second biggest. I, I say hobby. I call everything a hobby, but um, I love marketing, and so I was getting you know you need to do a podcast, you need to do a podcast, and um, you know they seem like they're going to be easy. Like oh okay, I'll just you know roll it and start talking and then as you guys know it's like well then you got to edit it and then you got to put bumpers right. on both sides and stuff so um but i just hired somebody so i think i'll be able to start start doing those again and and, and put more marketing information out there i mean the harder part for me w when we're doing stuff like this is actually giving the interview i've been on the other side of it where it's you know just not used to it still right you're totally relaxed and all is well but when you have kind of like an agenda and you want to stay on point and you don't want to mumble and stutter and um and uh, uh, or, uh you know i'm pretty good at doing that so i'm doing my best to try and get away from it so you're going to be my my guinea pig on, on this entire yeah no i mean you're right you're right i mean all the pressure's on you i mean right. i you know if, if it fails I, I didn't do anything wrong i mean 
<laughs> and hang and I really don't know what I'm doing. I just adjust the knobs every once in a while, so it looks like I'm. I'll doing tell you something. what, you look the fanciest in this entire table. I've got the sure. headphones. Yeah, you got the headphones. Yeah, and just and just so people know, I mean, there's there's got to be at least what thirty knobs over there. So at there's least. a whole lot that could go wrong. <laughs> I only know what um, two of them. Do there's no lights on the board though. Shouldn't with the on button be on? Every time you talk, this little red light up here comes on by this knob. I don't know what that does. And I can see two lights. Yeah, these I have no idea what those lights. But we don't know what they do. We don't. Yeah. It was good. Which is fantastic. And then this one is actually turned off because we don't have the fourth mic, so I just move it. No, don't. No, that like probably, like, you know, crashes the stock market or something. <laughs> if it's a button, you don't know what it does, <laughs> you know. That's why that's the Bitcoin. My now. porch lights just went on, and I've been trying to figure it <laughs> Everybody's got that light switch in their house that, that don't they, don't, they don't know what it does. <laughs> what is that? So, um, so, obviously, Mike thinks that Be the Lime is really good, and I obviously need to listen to it if it's uh, – it, it is. It, it goes along with your book. So I didn't know if it stopped because you saved it for the book. No, I just because it's just time. Seven, it's just right. it's, you know. I you mean, talked you talked about pro- what was going to come up in eight and nine and stuff, and then when it got over, I'm like, that that's it. Probably. I need eight and nine. What I need eight and nine, Brad. I don't know. What yeah, email accounts. Actually, I, I, it's funny because I was just revisiting it. and I'm like, I got to go back and listen to like six and seven and figure out what I said was going to be the next <laughs> ones because I don't even remember. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. To, it's it's a lot of fun to do, and it's a lot of fun to kind of pass on that information because I think there's a lot of people that really. Uh, business-wise or, or personally just don't know what to do on social media and they kind of get overwhelmed right so like one of the things I talk about in there and, and certainly in the be the line book is that you know you don't have to do everything right it's like you guys are, are rock stars at Instagram thanks and then you have a presence on some of the other stuff but it's like you know I think that people that are late to the game on social media um, think that you know either that that ship's gone by or they're like, oh, I just I don't have time to do everything. And so, you know, part of the podcast was, look, okay, one, there's tools to help manage your time better so you're not a full-time social media person. Right. And then the other part is to figure out where is your audience. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, cigar shops just in general, it's like, so like oh, well, let, let, let's go on Twitter, you know, or your average business with Twitter. Well, Twitter's worldwide. Right. Um, so bottom line is, is if you're spending all your time on Twitter, unless it's a brand that, that sells worldwide or at least nationwide, it doesn't do any good if you're in New York and somebody on Twitter is interacting with you in Wells, Nevada. I mean, that guy's not going to walk into your store. Right. So, you know, what's a better what's a better medium for you? And 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 also, you know, what is the demographics of your audience, your buyer, mm-hmm. if you're selling something or or you know just selling yourself? Where where do those people tend to be? Are they on Instagram? Are they on Twitter? Are they on Facebook? Uh, so it, it's a matter of trying to help people with that a little bit. Right. Having a focal point on one, I think, is definitely important. You, you did a lot of food references for your examples in the podcast. They always made me hungry when I listened to them. I did in the book too. Yeah, somebody, somebody, yeah, somebody sent me a message like, "What's the deal with the food?" <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> everybody relates hungry, to it. I don't know. Well, well there, there was one podcast that I was like starving, and I remember, I remember <laughs> like, I think I did that, but um, I don't know. I think it's just one of those things that everybody relates to. I guess I don't, I don't know why. It's just obviously I have a food problem. I love it when you drop uh, bacon, man. You you mentioned bacon a lot on Facebooks, and and your posts are pretty fantastic when you. When yeah, that's corporate. that was kind of just a weird thing that just took off, and then now I get like companies that go, "Hey, you know, if we send you this bacon, will you try it? And <laughs> will, you, will you mention it on social media?" I'm like, uh, "Yes, I will. I'm not going to turn down free yeah. bacon." Uh, when will it get here? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next time we'll have bacon for Fred when he comes in. <laughs> yeah, you know, start it off right. Um, you're also a best-selling author. Well, I think everybody is. I mean, you know, if you time the release right and you and you know how to market the book, it's like it, it zooms up to number one and then it falls off the radar. So I think everybody's kind of done that. It's nice that you downplay it, but uh, you know, I love it. I, I love looking at your books; they're inspiring to me because you know it actually shows that everybody has a past and and you know you never know who you're talking to in the cigar industry and and their origin and their knowledge and any other avenues of life, which is pretty fantastic. And plus, I like to bust it out and show people that because your hair is super short, you know. Everybody was in there ten years ago, you know. Yeah, super yeah. ambitious, very, very <laughs> successful. You know, really excited about life, and then you know, you get into the cigar industry and it just sucks the life right out of you. Right? Well, I'll tell you what I like <laughs> about I like what I liked about being lime versus say winning the cash flow war and stuff like that is that I was with the cigar industry and, and certainly be the lime. I was able to be more myself, right? Because in the financial aspect, it's like you got to be a little bit more serious. Like all, yeah, all like all the keynote speeches and stuff were like super serious like the short hair the three-piece suit right. or whatever and and so 
it's very refreshing to get away from that and just be your own voice and i think that's the challenge some people have when they're doing anything on social media or trying to they, they try to be someone else right and 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 not necessarily in a bad way they're not trying to imitate somebody but they think that you know they got to go they got to be somebody else and whatever and if you just stick to your wheelhouse and who you are and i think that's why in the cigar industry it kind of worked out well for me because i was just you know uh, you know, I, when I went down, it was like check the ego at the door and just go look. They're they're always going to know more than me. They, the, the the head roller, uh, the millionth rollers, can know more about right. tobacco probably than me for the rest of my life. I can spend all my time down there. So just say you know what you did right, what you did wrong, and and just you know be able to just focus on the parts that you're good at and not be ashamed of the parts that you're not. Right. And um and I think so when people stick to what their what their wheelhouse is and are true to who they really are, then it's refreshing to just do that, right. you know, and just be yourself. And I know it sounds really weird, but um it's a lot easier. Yeah, being real is definitely a lot easier. And you know, being fake eventually catches up to you, right? It's harder to do. Yeah, well, especially at this day and age. You know, right. Somebody well, will yeah. put you on blast. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, any industry. I mean, certainly in the cigar industry, we've got guys that are completely real that are fun. And then we got guys that are just, you know, kind of kind of faking their way through it or presenting a persona that they're not. And, right. um, you know, what what's the point? At the end of the day, I mean, we just want good cigars. I don't care what car- part of the process you are. Right, right. Um, you know, what does it take to make a good cigar? I know that, like I said, I'm not going to know near what a lot of these guys know that are down there full time. And, right. and, you know, but what do I know? And, you know, for me, when I went down there, what I discovered was, you know, I was just a t- tobacco geek for, you know, I smoked cigars for, what, 12, 13 years before I started the brand. And, and you just decided one day, I want to make a cigar. No, well, <laughs> it kind of went down weird. It was, um, I used to smoke with Avo Yuvasian probably about three or four times a week. And he kept, you know, after a while, he's like, when are you going to start a cigar? When are you going to start a cigar? And we were at Corona. And I'm looking at that humidor, and I'm like, well, the last thing we need is another cigar yeah, out yeah. there. So uh, he dragged me down to DR one time and took me on a tour and met people in small factories and stuff. And, um, you know, I was kind of like the kid in the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I went to the <laughs> field and took a picture with a plant that I had no clue what the order of the leaves were or anything like that. And uh, I'm like, yeah, all right, let's go. You know, he, had, he put me in a touch factory, and we'll just play around some tobacco. And, and again, I, kn- I knew nothing. And it was easier then because... It was just pure tasting flavors of what I like. So the right. very first blend was really me just talking to the blender going, okay, I like this flavor. I don't like this flavor. I had them drag out all the tobaccos that they had, and then I smoked them all individually, just rolled them up and just smoked them. I took put a bunch of notes down. What did I like about it? Did it have some spice to it? Did it have some sweetness? And then go, okay. So the way, the way I, I blend, which is still true to this day for the most part, is I... Take. I have an idea in my mind what I'm going for, right. and then I, you know, have the tobaccos I think I'm going to need, and so I'll take. I'll, I'll think everything in half leaves for the most part, and I'll go, okay, give me a half leaf of this, half leaf of that, half leaf of something else. Put it in a neutral binder and smoke it, and nine out of ten times, like, okay, that sucks. Take that <laughs> out. You know, let's put this in instead. So um, when I did start doing the seminars, the hacking the blend, that's very much the way they are. Is that I show how I hack my way through, and and there's been a couple of epiphany moments along the way. Um, the S307, the Sumatra that I did out of AJ Fernandez factory was a very good example of that. So I was trying to blend a stronger cigar. Um, I didn't have anything in the portfolio by then, so I, was, I, I wanted something stronger. So I was blending and we're going through, we're going over it, we're going over it, and it, it kept being medium. And, and one, of, one of my hot buttons on there is like, I like full-bodied cigars, I like the strength, but I don't like to lose the flavor. I'm all about flavor. So what I discovered was one, I had a pretty good palate. Right. Um, I didn't know how to um, how to convey what I was tasting. So that was mm-hmm. a challenge in the very beginning. But the S307, I kept pushing the stronger, stronger, and it kept going away. And then I, I guess my epiphany moment was is that when you're blending cigars, your job, at least for me, was whatever tobaccos you're playing with. How can I pair these or put these together in a way that they showcase and complement each other and create a cigar? Mm-hmm. So what I realized was is that the tobaccos I was playing with, it was a great medium-bodied, medium-plus cigar. It was never going to be a full-bodied cigar, full strength. And if I wanted that, I had to start over. Right. So that was a good moment for me to realize what that process should be when you're going through through cigars. And so everything in my portfolio is... I mean, you may go, okay, I'm going to do a stronger cigar, and I'm going to start with more Lajero or, or whatever you're doing in the process. But everything for me is all about flavor, and wherever it falls is where it, where it falls strength-wise. Right. Um, well, we kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but I'm going to pull you back to um, 
Oh, see, I already screwed up. We're yeah, like, no, we're great. like seven minutes in, and I've already like skipped ahead. <laughs> we're like fourteen minutes in, but you're doing fantastic. Keep up the good work. Um, <laughs> yeah, the more you talk, the less we have. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna get up and walk away. Um, the online marketing company that you have, Exposure One. Now that's a something that you're currently doing, and, and obviously you've done for a while, right? Yeah, we've had that for. I want to say about ten years now, um, and it just it it, it it the marketing company started out of necessity. So we had other projects, and we were always outsourcing all this marketing stuff, and then we weren't happy with it or it was expensive. So we just kind of had to learn the process. And then when social media came on, like we were just all in trying to figure it out. And at the time, there weren't a lot of people that really knew a lot about it. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I mean, exposure one. We that's look, that's where I make money. I mean, you don't right. make money in the cigar industry, so uh, it it allows me it allows me to do what we do now so i've got you know we, we uh part of the company builds websites for small businesses um part of the company consults with other companies and then part of the company just does social media for other companies that's cool um so you started nomad cigars around 2012 2013 right yeah officially uh got the name in 2012 uh that was part of the whole just you know figure out what it is trips down to, to uh, at the time only dominican republic uh, learn some tobaccos, try to learn the industry a little bit, and then by the end of 2012, we, we kind of officially launched, went into a couple shops, but the beginning of 2013 is when really it started getting some attention. Okay, so you started in the Dominican Republic. What made you jump over and start blending cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua? That's a good question. Um, I was probably about a year and a half into it, and then, um, you know, I... I, I met some of the guys the the you know pete johnson's and stuff like that and everybody just kept saying oh you got to go to nicaragua it's you know mm-hmm. it's just it's, it's, a, it's a playground of tobacco and my heart is kind of split between the, between the two countries everybody's like oh which one do you like better and they really are different um you know dominican republic to me has much more uh floral notes that you don't get out of nicaragua nicaragua's got more much more spice notes mm-hmm. uh that you don't get out of dr um, but everybody said, oh, you got to go to Nicaragua. And, and I will say that the Nicaraguan tobacco, from a palate standpoint, was easier to segregate the tobaccos than DR was for me. Um, DR was very much more subtle in the nuances, and they're significant now looking back. Uh, but at the time, to me, they, they were very similar. Now I can right. see the differences. Uh, but Nicaragua was just like a candy store when it came down to the tobacco, which when you think, for the most part, you're only dealing with four different areas um, and it was easier back then because like, oh, you know, you want jalapa. Okay, great. And I have jalapa. And it's like, but right. now then you start going, oh, well, which farm do you want? Which which right. leaf do you want? How long do you want it age? How was it age? How was it fermented? You know, I mean, so, um, you know, once that rabbit hole opens up, then you start going down this, you know, like it was a lot easier when I didn't know anything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I still don't know anything, but I know more than I did then. So you have an IMDB page and you're in a movie called Action. I believe I am, yeah. And you play a director that uh, casually leaves the bushes because you're banging the actress or something like that, right? Yeah, the uh, the um, sound producer or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it mentioned quickly in the trailer. Yeah, we yeah. watched the trailer. <laughs> we watched the trailer over and over. Yeah, it was, <laughs> like, a, it was, a, it was a movie that, that, I don't know if that was their intent, but was to go for Guinness Book as record as far as they filmed the entire movie in two days. Um, no, did, so did they finish the movie because all yeah, I can all I can yeah. find is the trailer. No, no, it, it, it was actually put out and it, it won some awards for oh, something. Wow. Um, I don't know what, but it, I know it, I know I know because they sent me like the little award thingies where I'm like, oh, that's great. But it was kind of like the um, oh, what's that movie where the the they do the uh, pet show. Um, oh, the one where they go to the the big uh, pet convention. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. yeah. best of show, I best think. Of show, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's it was large. Yeah, so largely the in, most of the ensemble was made up of people that could improvise. Right. So we were given the scenes. We really were given a little bit of lines, but basically it was like roll cameras and just go. Right. And so um, it, it's 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 a goofy movie, but it, it but it, it was real big among the Hollywood insiders because it pokes fun at the process of everything, mm-hmm. and um, so it was it was fun, but. Yeah, I played a, I played the director of the movie in the movie. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so. That's awesome. Um, so you also did a, a movie with Matt Dillon, you said earlier, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I got left on the cutting room floor, but it was a, lo- oh, it was a lot wow. of fun. I was on set for, uh, I guess, a week and a half in San Francisco and filmed this really cool scene on Fisherman's Wharf and um, 
got to do, got to work with Matt Dillon and some other people, and uh, just didn't did they cut the entire scene, which I'm sure was nothing to do with my ability <laughs> no, at the time. Not, that was I mean that that was back. So I was trained. Dillon probably had it cut because you were. Overtake the over, yeah. That was. That's that, I'm sure that's happened. why. Like, oh, like, this guy's making me look bad. <laughs> this, guy, this guy's doing these five lines perfect. Well, no. So I, I mean, I was I was actually trained as an actor. So I went to American Conservatory Theater, and then I was also taking oh, acting. Shit. And then I, then I got wow. accepted to Oxford for a summer program to do acting over there. And so, uh, and then I came back to California. It's funny. Once that was on my resume, all of a sudden, all these auditions opened up, which is stupid. But if you ever see the uh, the opening scene of Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie, where you're you're uh, he's on stage and he's like, I can be taller, I can be shorter, I can be whatever. Right. It was very much like that. I mean, you know. So I'd gotten to the level of acting where I was pretty good, but then there were a lot of other people that were really good. And so you'd be in an audition, and they're running you through stuff all day long as they get to that final pairing. And at the time, and I didn't know it. I mean, I was six two, so I was actually almost a little too tall for a lot of parts that I probably could have got if I was you know four or five inches shorter uh, which really sucks, oh, but um, but it was it's so, a brutal. So do you industry. make cigars, or are you just acting like you make? Cigars? <laughs> exactly. What well, we ask? You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> now I got to question everything that you say ever. That's right. My that's right. Shit. Yeah. So, but it was it was it was fun. I, I enjoyed it, and it was I was doing stand up comedy for about eight years at the time, and so um, and I enjoyed that a lot, and I was doing acting as well, but um, n- never anything big, never you know. But I mean, the guys that made it. I mean, I, you know, same thing with stand up. I did well in stand up, but. Uh, I wasn't willing to like go around the country and live out of my car and do all the comedy shops. So I wasn't wasn't really willing to pay my dues that way, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to now where I go right, around the country. So you know, so a lot of people I did stand up with. I mean, they, you know, they they paid their dues and they, and and they, and they went there. For me, it was, it was a hobby. So and right. I and I and I got to do the you know the big clubs and it was a lot of fun and I got to open for people that were way smarter and faster and better than me in comedy. But um, it was I enjoyed it. It was it was a lot of fun. Right. So you got a you got a few interesting hobbies. Um, obviously, you like motorcycles, right? I do. I do. I've ridden for what thirty. I got a bike at fifteen years old. My parents, I thought, were giving me a car. I came home and they knew that I wanted to buy the neighbor's Mustang because it just it was it was a sixty four and a half Mustang, and I'm like, this would be the perfect car for a kid, you know. And uh, <laughs> so the day one day I came home and it was on my birthday, and the na- the car was par- the Mustang was parked in front of my house. And I thought they got me a Mustang, and it's just because the neighbor was visiting or something <laughs> stupid, so the car wasn't really for me. And they bought wife. me a motorcycle. My wife's first car was a '64 and a half Mustang. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay. So, what was your first motorcycle? It was a Honda 175 nice. that, that my parents bought from the Shriners. It was <laughs> paint, it was painted was, was it gold. Was small? Did, yeah. it come, did it come with a hat? No, but it was painted gold, <laughs> and we had to replace the tires because they only apparently went left in the parades doing circles, and they were all worn oh, on one side. Wow. So, yeah, that was my first bike at 15 and a half years old. Do you have one now? I do. I've got a uh, 2000 Fatboy Harley-Davidson and a 2003 Ultra Classics. Very nice. But you can only ride one at a time, right? Well, my wife rides. Ah. So she lasted on the back of the bike about two or three times, and she's like, nah, I'm getting my own bike. She's, she's like, more out there. She's like, she's skydived. I won't even skydive. Right, so, wow. I mean, I won't do that. And that's how you got the name Godfather was with the bikes, too, if I I remember. I did, yeah, yeah, which... In the biking group, it was actually Godfather spelled correctly. But then when I when I went on other things, I'm like, well, that's just horribly pretentious. So I changed the spelling of it to G O D F A D R, and that's pretty much the the handle on everything at this point. So where did you come up with the name Nomad? Well, I was that was early on in trying to figure out. You know, you're, you come up with all these different names for brands and things like that. And I, I tried to figure out that and the logo, what kind of uh, encompassed my attitude a little bit. So even though I hadn't been to Nicaragua or Honduras or anything at the time, I thought, you know, if I create a brand, I want to go to whatever factory or whatever country to make the type of cigar I wanted. Um, I also, parallel to that, was thinking, you know, nomads, you know, it's like, it's like when you drop into another city and you go in a cigar shop and every shop thinks they're unique. Is there, there's the one guy that's got a ton of money that has to tell everybody he has all the money. Mm-hmm. There's another guy that has a zillion dollars, but he's completely low key and you just, you'll, you'll never know looking at him. Right. And every shop thinks they're unique. And then when you go to a shop, another shop, they all have those same guys. It's the same. Right. same it's just different faces. Yeah, right. it's the same, same guys. So, you know, cigar smokers to me are kind of nomadic in a way is that when we go we, we, we want that we want that environment 
And what I love about cigar shops is that you know you can go anywhere, you can drop into a shop, and for the most part, you're going to find those guys. You're going to go in, you're going to solve the world's problems, and then you're going to go home. And it's funny because when you know if your spouse doesn't smoke. You know, you'll go to a cigar bar and you'll be there for six hours and you'll go home and you know, like, you know, well, what'd you talk about? Nothing. You know, <laughs> we just, you know, and, well, how's you know, how's uh, uh, you know, Dave's wife? Well, I don't know. It didn't come up. I mean, you know, so and then and then what happens is your spouse goes with you or your significant other goes with you one time because they think they're missing out, right. and you won't be there for six hours. You'll be there for like three because mm-hmm. you'll get that look when you're going to light another cigar. <laughs> and uh, I don't get that look from my wife, but I'm just saying I, I see people that do. You've right. seen yeah, I've seen that. And, and then you'll go home, and on the drive home, you know, the spouse will say, going, I don't need to go there. You guys don't do anything. <laughs> you know, and, and we don't. That's, that's what we want. But what I love about that environment is that you, you – it's it's so low stress. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have a guy that makes a zillion dollars next to a guy that's unemployed, right. and in that room, in a cigar shop, we're all equal. Everybody's we share we share one thing, but not just sharing the the love of a cigar. It's just there's this whole attitude that goes with it for the most part. And certainly, there's people on the fringes that that just don't fit in as much. But for the most part, we could all just sit down and and and, and you know BS about politics or the Super Bowl last night, which I'm not going to bring up because I know some people in this room, not naming any names, um, may not be happy with the result of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, 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 I just love that. Look at me. I don't know who that is. So, but so the name Nomad came from that. Now, and if you break down the logo, by the way. There's three things in the logo. So there's a compass for travel, there's wings for flying stunt planes, and there's a cross for motorcycles. Oh, Which yeah, is look awesome. at it. I know. You're right. I'm right? Of course oh, good. You're right. Did you right. Yeah. Thank oh, you. Wow. Yeah, I was right. Yeah, correct. <laughs> That's cool, too, because, you know, <clears throat> when I've made a couple of things that with uh, the Postania line, I've tried to hide stuff and incorporate things that, you know, you wouldn't know about unless you talk to me in person. Well, I think nobody can tell there's a penis hidden in the. Uh, yeah, no, thing. we don't talk about that. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, sorry. But what's cool is you know you don't get to learn those things unless you have a conversation with the person, right? Um, just like with now, the, I look at this completely different every time. Right? right. Exactly. I mean, you know, even with the Roma stuff, the Chromags, and they added you know hidden indentations of like um, shit. Right. Are you terms. allowed to get this out? Yeah. No. The, the if, you eight people <coughs> if you take the, if you take the band off, you look at it and it's got like uh, inscriptions from caves and stuff like that. I mean, I know, I know, I'm not giving it any justice, but hey, fuck it, it's not my brand. So, <laughs> um, I, I, I love, I love Easter eggs. Right. I love Easter eggs in movies and stuff like that. And you know, and people look at the logo, they go, okay, they don't know what it is, but it's fun when somebody breaks it down for you or something like that. For sure. Now, stunt planes. Yeah, I, I man, I, I would love to buy a stunt plane. I would love to buy a Pitts, which is a one seater. Like you see a lot of those in the Red Bull races and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but. I know my personality, and I probably shouldn't have one. <laughs> right. I probably should not be the guy that just, like, how fast can I go? And I bet I could go a little lower. Um, but, you know. Do you think that if you died in a stunt plane, there'd be, like, a significant boost in sales? Like, you know, Michael Jackson dies and shit goes crazy with everybody's got to buy his albums and yada yada. I feel like if you were to die in a stunt plane... There wouldn't be enough nomads. Are, are you hoping Fred dies? In and, the industry? and that's why you're not my business manager. <laughs> uh, that's that's uh, that, good it's, to know. It's just good a marketing know. technique. You know? I, I appreciate that. Fred I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that in mind. Sales um, slipped a little, Fred. I feel like we need you, you know, to die. If you get bored yeah. and you really want to have a boost in sales, you know, you, you talk to some insurance companies. You get a nice cush, you know, five year term policy, so you can work your way out, talk yourself out of it. Or if you decide to go with it, boom, you know, you just crush it. I've been All on a around. lot of shows. That has never come up or been a suggestion. <laughs> so that's an original right here, people. That's, so uh, that's, that's what I'm that's, here for. Uh, Mixing it up for you. All right, now whitewater rafting. So you, I mean, like you're a jack of many trades. You, you know, like you, an you, yeah, you, you, you live the life. I don't think you know. It's fine. I don't think you know. When you look at some of the stuff, you know, like adrenaline junkie. I don't. I just, I just like experiences. I just, I, you know, and I have a tendency to get bored. And I've done a lot of different businesses and a lot of different, you know, hobbies or, or things like that. But it's kind of like you know, regardless of what you believe religiously or reincarnation or whatever, it's like you got one shot, right? You know, so there's a lot of things that I'll never do again. I, you know, I jumped off a cliff in water. I went down a, a mile long zip line. Those are things that I never need to do again. Right. But at least did I did it. them once. Did now, them once. and then some of them stuck, like motorcycles and stuff like that. They've they've certainly stuck a lot longer. But I, I just I like the experiences. I love traveling. I love you know immersing yourself in another culture and learning a language. And you know when we when we first started going through Europe and stuff like that, I refused to eat at any restaurant that had a menu in English. Right. 
because I'm just like, well, you're you're not local if you went through that effort. Right. So you're trying to find the hole in the wall. So I just really like the experience of that. That's awesome. So how so. Whitewater rafting happened the one time, or no, no, no. We've we've done that. We've done that quite a few <laughs> times. Yeah. So we did the we did a lot of the rafting, and then we got kayaks, and we were getting into the kayaking for a while. Um, I didn't like kayaks as much as I liked whitewater rafting, and it's that it's kind of that trapped in feeling. Like you learn to roll, so like when you get knocked over and you can flip yourself back over. Right. Um, I just didn't really like being confined, and it wasn't comfortable for me either. Well, but you're um, tall, so yeah, it just wasn't as comfortable for me. Was um, it whitewater kayaking also? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, those, I did one. In Mo- I did one in Montana that was. They're called duckies. They're kind of basically they look like kayaks, but they're inflatable, and you're on top. That was probably the most fun for that. And I get kayaks because you can have uh, a lower grade river and have a lot of fun in it, or mm-hmm. you can just go completely, you know, full blown, you know, heavy class four or five or whatever in a kayak, which is above my ability in a kayak, uh, not in a raft, but in a kayak for sure. And um, I just, I didn't find kayaks as enjoyable as whitewater rafting. You know, I can swim, but in a kayak, when you're kind of trapped in there and you got to get out of there, um, I had one incident that it was, you know, I got out, but it was, you know, a little little scary for a brief second there. So um, I just, I kind of like to have the ability to swim. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine myself wanting to kayak. That's for sure. It doesn't, uh, I never did the whitewater kayaking, but I did it for a couple of years, just out in the ocean or in a river or something, but nothing, nothing extreme. Right. Yeah. That. Like a pool or something? Yeah, uh, we yeah. started out in a pool. I but mean, we're in yeah. Orlando. You get so on the sides and stuff when you flip over. We, yeah. had, we had some nice hotels with some nice pools around here, you know, so I'd like to see you doing that. In like the, I know the Hilton's got a badass pool. It's fucking. They have a slide. You could go down the slide in the kayak. There you go. There you go. That would be as close to whitewater kayaking as <laughs> I would get. So you're also an online Jedi. Yeah, I mean, I well, I mean, you know, as if there is such a thing. Well, it kind of transitions yeah. into you know your ability to market, right? So yeah, I, I like I like social media. I mean, you know, one of the things when I started the brand um, was I put my Twitter handle right on the band from the very beginning. Right. So uh, I was the first person, and I don't even know if anybody does it. I've seen people do it on inside of the band since, but it came out of it uh, before I launched the first cigar. I was smoking one out front, and I met this guy and. You know, we didn't have bands, we didn't have anything yet, and I, I gave him a cigar, and then I went inside, and I uh, went to the bathroom, came back out, and he's like, oh, man, I found you on Twitter, and I, you know, I posted a picture of it, and I'm like, that's really interesting, so I ended up putting it on the outside. It's, it's a great way to converse with people that smoke your cigars all over the place, um, and Twitter just made it really easy to do that. Mm-hmm. So, now... Um, well, that we have one other question regarding your opinion on social media, and you kind of pretty much answered it, right? I, I love it. I, I, I love social media. I mean, you, you, it's it's like I said earlier, I think it, you know, it's kind of a rabbit hole where you go in there to look at Facebook and you know, all of a sudden you're like, okay, how did I just spend an hour and a half right. on listening to stupid stuff? Right. But then you learn how to hide certain people but not unfollow them and things like that so you can kind of clean it up a little bit. Right. For me, it's different, though. I mean, I, I use social media largely for entertainment. Right. So I'm in it more for fun. I don't think that's a place. And, and, and we see it on Facebook, and I think I posted one time, you know, the over-under right now on a Facebook post getting ugly is like four comments, <laughs> you know, and then just like people just start, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the degree of, of hate speech and, and, and the personalizing and a lot, you know, that's not the place to have those right. serious conversations, no, no, political no, no. or religion or otherwise. We can sit down in, in a cigar shop and we can be on opposing sides politically and have a reasonable conversation even though we disagree. That does not exist online. So yeah. I, I try, and every once in a while I get sucked into that, but I try to avoid it because it's, it's just not a place to state your case on there. Right. No, you it's know. too easy for people to hide behind the computer and say something that they wouldn't naturally say to you to your face. Yeah, and they're the same people that believe that if it's on the internet, you know, it's it's real. Right. You know, right. so, oh yeah, I got this guy, you know, I saw this article and you go look at the article and it's on some site that, you know, is not even a reputable site or whatever whatever but i don't think when you start talking about you know those type of conversations people don't really want to hear the truth or facts they want to hear what substantiates their own viewpoint right and that's what they believe is anything that substantiates their own viewpoint yeah for sure i mean but that's you kind of got to go through that as a society through that level of bullshit for i don't know i don't know how long it's going to take until you kind of evolve and kind of get over it right i mean the majority of the people that are on social media I, you know, I guess I would say that they don't. You're right. They they care about their opinion. They care about people supporting their opinion. And then when you have 
an opposite perspective, then it becomes a fucking disaster. Yeah, and I don't think they're willing to... I'm, not, I'm generalizing, but I don't right. think they're willing to hear opposing opinions, even if right. they're thoughtfully laid out, right. versus doing it face-to-face. There's a very there's a re- very real personal aspect of having the conversation face-to-face that, like you said, doesn't exist online. Right. You know, right. they're hiding behind there. And then you got people that are just trying to be jerks just for the sake of being jerks. Right, right. exactly. And so it's like, you know, you can't, <laughs> so you can't really have a real conversation uh, on social media about any any significant subject. So I tend to, you know, my posts are generally, uh, I should do more cigar posts. I should have more pictures of me smoking cigars. But generally, um, and by design, it's more entertainment, more things right. that so I find that are funny, more things yeah. that I say that are funny or whatever like that, or things yeah. that I see. Um, and, and the reason I do that is is that if all I posted was, here's me with my cigar, this is an awesome blend, here's my 92 rating, wherever, so like that, that noise gets lost in a real hurry. For sure. There are a lot of people that follow me on social media, that interact on social media, that, you know, they don't have a lot of my cigars. They might have them once in a while, but they're there. And so when they walk in the shop, they'll they'll remember, oh, that was really funny what, what right. he had on Facebook or something that day. And they'll remember me when they're in the humidor. Mm-hmm. And right. so that's kind of my angle more than just trying to bore everybody with the details. And we can talk about the details, but bottom line is, is nobody cares about that on a daily basis. It's boring. Right. It's boring. It's like, you know, the stuff we're talking about now, I mean, we haven't even talked about the cigars or blends or like that. It's like, look, you want to look at the blends, you go to my website, here's the blends, you know. Right. Um, you know, So people want to know the story. And I think that's true of cigar smokers now. And partially why the boutiques, I think, took off so much is they want to know the person behind it. Right. What's the mentality? My, my whole... Whether you know how you measure success, I don't know. I mean, the fact that I'm still in business, I think, is pretty good. For sure. But but the my whole thing has been the journey. You know, you know, here's here's a guy that smoked cigars that had the opportunity to go make his own cigar. There are a lot of guys that wish they could do that, that right. can't. Here's my journey of going to Nicaragua, and if you go through my blends, you can definitely see the evolution of the blends of how they got better or more tweaked or more refined. And so I think that that is my journey and people have followed me on that journey and that's why people go well i want to see what fred's interpretation of a sumatra is or hey i hear fred's playing with you know san andres or something like that i remember uh coop asked me years ago he's like when are you going to do maduro when are you going to maduro and i'm like i don't understand maduros enough right now right you know i'm playing with it but until i know how it behaves with other tobaccos i, I can't do one so i think people that part's been refreshing to people it's like you know oh i'm an expert in all this nobody's an expert in anything right uh, that's for sure, <coughs> and um, you know uh, you're right about the Maduros because the Maduro wrapper be- can become so dominant and overbearing that you know you make the same bullshit that's you know hundred other people have made. Right, you so don't do it just to do it. Right. So the fact that you held out and you know took your time to develop it before you release something, I think. That's yeah, the, the biggest one for me was probably the Connecticut Fuerte. So right. that was. Um, I was already in Nicaragua, went back to DR, and I didn't have a Connecticut in my line. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, this blend that we came up with was largely DR, but there was a little bit of Nicaragua and La Jaro in it. And my idea was, is I, I was kind of trying to kill two birds one stone, but basically I was thinking, well, every Connecticut I was smoking at the time was just too bland for me. My palate had, I, I want to say evolved, but that, I don't mean that insulting, but I was preferring more medium plus, and the right. Connecticut's were just, I, I pick up a Connecticut, you know, walk in a humidor, and I'm like, there's just no flavor. Right. And mild doesn't mean you can't have flavor. So, came up with this blend, and then, and then the first mistake I made, and luckily I stuck to my guns, is I gave it to several people in the industry, and um, a lot of them came back and said, you know what, it's a great stick, but don't make it because it won't work. You can't have a Connecticut with a little bit more in there. And I thought I was getting the mild smoker that wasn't ready to go to medium plus and kind of give him a transition to kind of warm up his palate to something a little bit more flavorful. And I, I, the largely the feedback I was getting was D- don't make that cigar. It'll fail. It's a great cigar, but nobody can do a Connecticut Plus. Right. And it wasn't that I invented it because it had been done before and it just didn't it didn't work. The timing worked out well. The people, you know, what what's Fred's interpretation of a Connecticut that has flavor? And then what worked out really well for me is you know the years that that passed after that other people started doing it that are way bigger than me and and it just it, it substantiated the, the the category right if you will which just helped my sales uh tremendously but um i was glad that i stuck to my guns because that was one of those moments that you know i really liked the cigar hope there's an audience for it but i really like the cigar and, it, and it, it brings me to the point where we start talking about where everybody's like well what's the definition of boutique right you know and stuff like that and you know we can say okay it's, it's a million cigars right but there are companies that do more than a million cigars that i think are very boutique and the definition that i came up with and everybody's got their own definition but i think that as a company your boutique 
until such point that you will change a blend based on the bottom line dollars of the blend. Right. So we've all been That's at that good. point like where, that. where where oh I could change this and make a little bit more money. Right. The moment you do that, you are not boutique attitude anymore. You know. So right. my profit is probably lower than a lot of guys in the scar industry because I won't sacrifice certain things. Right. And so that's that's my definition of it. But the moment you start going out, uh, you know, and this is why big companies, it's like you know, the, the cigars end up not as good when they're bought out or something like that because there's some bean counter that says, oh no, wait, let's use this other tobacco we get on load. No one will notice. It's not a big deal. But when you start making those decisions, you're not boutique anymore. Right. You're not you're not sticking to your guns. If you put out a cigar that you know would have been better because if you got the slightly better tobacco but you don't do that because of the price and the bottom line then then you're not boutique anymore now you're just you're just turning out cigars that's true and i think that at this point in the game that a lot of regular consumers do notice as soon as especially if they're consistently smoking something on a daily or at least a weekly basis they'll identify that blend when it has changed even if it's oh they'll notice definitely right yeah i mean we've all we've all been there look i'm I'm a cigar smoker first and foremost, mm -hmm. so we've all had that cigar we loved, and then all of a sudden they bring it back or comes out, and it's like it's totally different. Totally different yeah, right. and they're like, "Oh no, no, it's the exact same." And like, "You are so full of shit." Right. right. You know, and sometimes they're sometimes they are, and because of the crops, but yeah, sometimes it's like I know enough, and you guys know enough, you know, internally that it's like, no, you you made a change. You're trying yeah, to you pass it something. off that you didn't, but you made a change. Right. But you know, if the crops are different and and the factory is good at what they do, then they'll notice that that it's different and they'll make the slight altercation to keep it consistent time yeah time and if you can't then you have to sunset that blend right and then you're in, in my opinion right and then you become or you become mainstream and just tweak it and make a high yeah and a lot of times you can a lot of times you you know you you, you try to you know we were we had a good conversation where uh in nicaragua with um i think it was uh, it was nick and steve Saka when we were, we were talking and we were uh, this Did it end in a knife fight? <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. It was a really good conversation, and, and Nick had to buy dinner because he's the only guy that didn't bring cigars to the dinner. But um, <laughs> the, but but it was a good conversation because we were trying to figure out in this market what's the lifespan of a blend, right? Because as a boutique, we release a blend and it goes up, and you get that spike, and then it starts kind of coming back down, and you try to hold on to that, right? And we were trying to figure out what's the lifespan of a blend, so you have to decide how much tobacco do I buy. Or make sure that it's there so that I don't have to tweak the blend. Um, so it's 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 a different industry now. Um, you know, obviously the FDA stuff looming, but then we also have and and if there's anything that good, any good that has come out of the FDA thing right now looming, and and I still think we're going to come to some sort of resolution that's manageable for us. But it kind of stopped that whole what's new fad. Yeah. And, and, and look, we're as guilty of it as we gave the consumers what they wanted. They wanted new cigars, so we started churning out more blends than we normally would. But, you know, it's not a matter of what's new on the shelf uh, or a new blend that was just released. What's new to you? Right. You know, if you haven't had Nomad's S307, it's a kick-ass aged Sumatra cigar. If you haven't had the 8613, it's a nice rustic blend. That's new to you. Right. So, I mean, I think right now, and I've said this before, if you made a panel of, like, five cigar guys, I mean, like, guys way above my level that just taste every subtle note, and you said, oh, this brand-new cigar, no one's ever made a cigar like that. They'd be able to go back into their archives of their mind and go, wait, wait, if you smoke this one, it's almost identical. Right. Uh, enough to where the average consumer wouldn't notice the subtle differences right. of it. So uh, I've said before, and, it, and, it, and it's kind of a shame, you know, 80% of this business really is marketing. A lot of us, we, we, right. we all have good cigars. Not all of us, but I mean, most of us, True. we have good cigars. If you're doing things right, right. we all have good it's cigars. It's difficult to make a bad cigar at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, it is. You really, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you smoke a bad cigar, you're like, wow, you, you had to try or cut corners unbelievably to right. put out a bad cigar. Right. Um, so, so the industry's kind of changed, but I, I actually kind of like that it's dialed off a little bit of the what's new because, you know, for my portfolio, I have 16 blends. Right. If you don't like anything in those 16 blends, you're probably, I mean, you're, you're probably smoking something so far off the reservation for me not to have a blend that you want. Right. Um, you know, that's, that, that's in your wheelhouse. That's true. Now, I mean, usually we ask this uh, as we kind of get going, but we just kind of took it and ran um do you mind telling everybody what we are smoking right now give you a little shameless plug yeah we're right now i think we're all smoking finalist mundos uh, oh no uh, okay i'm oh, the only one smoking <laughs> finalist <laughs> mundos you're smoking c276 right. so, i am also yes. so actually um the the names which you know in the beginning i got beat up over the names because there are a lot of them are numbers and i've since gone to some of the names but c276 is c stands for concepcion which is the volcano on ometepe island the active volcano 
and um, that was the first time I played with Ometepe, which is why it ended up into the name. 276 is the square kilometers of that island. Okay. Um, I would have done 103 miles, but um, Guillermo has a 103, you know, brand line, so I just, I didn't want to step on that. But um, that was that was probably uh, other than the Connecticut Forte, it was a very it was a uh, internally um, proud moment because I wanted a fuller bodied cigar that had a lot of flavor. Right. And so I was down there just for a month solid only on this blend, and I had five tobaccos in the filler, and and I gave it to AJ Fernandez, and he smoked it, and he says, "No, this is really good." And I'm like, "I need something else. I just want another layer. I wanted a cigar." That was, you know, after a steak dinner, you know, single malt, something that just, you know, uh, was in that wheelhouse. And he said, he pointed over to the Ometepe and he's like, well, you need to try playing with just a little bit of the Ometepe in there. And I go to grab the Ometepe and basically he's like, no, 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 you need to, you need to go to the island. You need to go see the fields. You need to see, and I've never been to the island. I'm like, oh, great. So now I'll go over to Ometepe and <laughs> go over there and discover what howler monkeys are the most terrifying noise ever in the world. <laughs> we were on a hike and with my wife and daughter, and well, first we check into the, the hotel, and it's not really a hotel on the island, it's basically just a shack. And we go to the hotel, and there's the mosquito netting around the beds. And my wife's like, oh, that's really romantic. And the guy is like, oh, no, no, it's not for the, for the mosquitoes. And I'm it's like, well, what's it for? And he says, it's for the tarantulas. And oh, I'm like, oh, you've oh, got to be. I hate sweet. spiders. So uh, we go on a hike, and my daughter says, oh, there's this waterfall. It's only two miles away. Well, five miles later, we're going <laughs> up a hill. But we're going through the jungle, if you will, on Omatepe Island. And it's the first time I heard a howler monkey. Yeah. And it is the most scary, <laughs> like, through a jungle, I'm looking around. It's like out of the movie Predator or something. And the only thought I had was that I don't think I can outrun both my wife and my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was it was pretty scary. But anyway, so Solomon Tepe came back, uh, put it in the cigar, and it gave it exactly what I what I wanted. So it was a very complex bunch. There's six different fillers in the tobacco, um, and it was box press. And I was really happy about that. Awesome. <coughs> All right, so now comes the, the fun questions. Part. The yes. questions. We need like a dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. Oh, these, uh, you warned me about this. This is the three questions that I don't know what they are that, that uh, I'm going to be put on the spot. Yeah, so we you know we like to ask three general questions to everybody that comes on the show. Um, are they the same three questions on every show? Yes. Yep. See, see, if I'd have done my homework uh, and listened to the end of every episode, up. I would have known what the question was. They would have 11 people that listen. Because <laughs> <laughs> we picked up a new follower today. Yeah. Oh, it's very nice. So, yeah, um, we like to uh, keep it interesting. Uh, we like to get your point of view on these questions. And um, I'm afraid. I can feel I'm the suspense well, building. In, I'm in, afraid. In my show research, you have been asked a couple of these before. Oh, really? Yes. So I, I'm. You, I, wait, I, wait, you did research? Oh, I, I do research. I do research. Oh, yeah, we don't fuck around. So, damn, this oh, is yeah. pretty pretty classy. I didn't. I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how we like it. We like to keep it. You know, I mean, what would you do? You'd research. You'd, you'd go through our podcast. You'd listen to. And you, you know, know what the questions? The six episodes. I would yeah. actually. And had I done that, I'd know what the questions were, and I would have had really witty answers. <laughs> now I'm just gonna have the. Uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Are right, you ready? Fire it, Will Mike. Ready? Okay. What one person, living or dead, would you like to have a cigar with? Oh, Mark Twain. That was the answer. You yeah, got yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a consistent one for me. I mean, I just I love his quotes. That guy must have been just the most amazing person to hang. I mean, obviously the you know the, the runner ups are Winston Churchill and stuff like that. But I mean, if you're talking about a personality, right, to just sit and and hang with and stuff like that, um, that guy must have just been an absolute kick. See, that question was too easy for you. Like, you know, he's had it before. Yeah, so that's, he, he that's knew. Well, no, even if I didn't have it before, I mean, that's just that's one that's just for me is. Uh, most you know. people have to sit and think, and then you get like a, a grandfather or. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like, no, yeah. To all my dead relatives now, I feel like an absolute <laughs> ass for not. My great grandfather, uh, I, I miss you. Know, you. But what's you know, cool is like, that. you know, like you were saying before we came on the show, people who actually have to think about it, you know that when they get off the show, they're like, you know what? I that want wasn't the right answer. answer. Let me change it. I like yeah, it. Dang it. I, miss, it I meant to say John Lennon. Oh, man. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. So I'm hoping that happens with one of the next questions. All right. Second question. <laughs> Best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Don't believe your own press. Don't believe. He's yeah. too fast with yeah. the yeah. yeah. He's I, good at marketing. Yeah. No, no, no. It, I, I had to think about it for a second, but I mean, it, it's the first one that popped in my mind. But, but, but in and this came on the on the speaking circuit, but I've kind of held it with me, and and it, and it seems to apply. 
even you know the cigar industry and apply to a lot of other businesses I've started is that you know despite whatever accolades you get and ratings and stuff like that it, that, that that thing is always stuck with me you know don't believe your own press you still have you know it's just press right you know I mean anybody can say whatever good or bad but you know yeah don't don't believe your own press just just keep grinding on whatever whatever it may be excellent excellent all right final question what's your favorite cigar favorite cigar favorite cigar uh-huh. is it the one you know obviously it's the not your own thing whatever, you know whatever is your i got busted on this on a show one time so so i was on a show and they li- they said you know what's your favorite cigar when it, you're not smoking your own right. and i and i named off like five brands that i really liked and they're all looking at each other like i can't believe that and they came back and said no 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 every manufacturer always says their own it's the best and i said you know with all due respect they're either naive or lying one of the two right. i mean to suggest that there's no other great cigars uh they're on 64 would be would be my answer. Particular size or no? No, not really. Um, I tend to tend to gravitate towards the smaller sizes, um, but I, I just think it's it's a it's a perfect cigar. You know, what's kind of crazy is the Padron does in general is is pretty much a yeah. The we've gotten that several times. A lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen like online um, uh, another. An- can I mention another podcast yeah, group? Yeah, uh, uh, Do- <coughs> Dojo did that one time. They actually. They asked like seven of us, um, you know, all na- you know, name your cigars, and you can only name one of yours. And I think it was Maduro's, um, and the number one overwhelming was was the Padron uh, Maduro, um, which I, again, I, I you know, it's, it, to me, it's just it, it's a perfect cigar. I mean, there's obviously lots of other ones I would name, and then I could be like the complete jerk that like, oh, I, you know, Eladio's got some private blends that never come out, and you know, I love those. But right. I mean, you know, but bottom line is, is that you know, if you're talking about one that anybody can get and stuff like that i would probably say that's my favorite but there's you know i, I, I like a lot of other ones um skips neanderthal i think is a great cigar uh james brown has some really good cigars out of black label um you know when you start talking about price standpoint um you know there's some real strong ones when you start you know i i think it's very difficult to make any cigar and put it on the shelf that's under 750 and have used all the right tobacco unless you own the farm in the factory it's right it's very tough um you know in that light I would say AJ's New World is phenomenal for the price point. I would say Dion Rothschild is an absolute home run at the price point. Um, if you were to say you could only have one manufacturer other than your own, and you could have that entire portfolio, I would probably pick Dion's Illusion. Right. I think I think his entire portfolio. I think he's got the best palate for a white guy in the industry. I mean, you know, a non-Latino. Um, whether you like every one of his blends or not just depends on the wheelhouse, but I think he, I think that guy just dissects the palate probably better than just about anybody. His, his portfolio, I'm pretty impressed by. Well, you survived. You survived. It, it I was did. way easy for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make up a fourth question to put me on the spot. I didn't get to say the O. Right. I don't know. Right. Good question. Uh, it was like uh, a bang, well, Mary okay, killer. Uh, how, <laughs> how do people get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, uh, that is every, the next Everything question. on, on uh, social media is at Godfather, G-O-D-F-A-D-R. So um, Twitter is probably the biggest one to interact. Instagram, I'm on, but I'm really bad about posting. Right. Because yeah, I can't. That I seems can't to be the one you don't. I just can't schedule them out. I can't. You know, I can schedule out other posts. So typically, the way I do it is I'll use a program like Buffer or something like that. So when I see something at a grocery store, I'll snap a picture. I'll put it in Buffer. It'll go out eventually. You right. Know, it, it, you know. So there's always and then and then there's during the day I'll post something that that wasn't scheduled or wasn't just you know random or has to go out today type thing. Right. Uh, Instagram. I love Instagram. Instagram, I just I, I don't I I don't have enough picture stuff, right? You know, and so I tried to create the hashtag why I suck at Instagram, and I was only <laughs> taking pictures of my food after I finished eating, so it was <laughs> it was just an empty plate of carnage of whatever Spears was left over, like a piece of like crystal or salsa <laughs> or whatever like that. And I really wanted to get that going. I'm like I wanted the hashtag why I suck at Instagram, and um, that's pretty funny. And then I did one that was the Australian Instagram, and I took a picture of the plate from underneath. <laughs> you know, so, uh, down under. so, but generally, I, I just I suck at Instagram just because I don't, you know, I spend too much time looking at my meal, going, is this Instagrammable? Is this like, you know, should I take a picture of this food? Right. You know, and, and how many bacon posts can you have on Instagram? I don't think you know, that you can have enough. I don't think so. Right. I know. Yeah. Usually on Sunday, if I'm cooking bacon, I'll do the ten seconds of Zen, and I'll just take a picture. I'll take a video <laughs> of, of frying bacon. bacon <laughs> you know. Sadly, my biggest posts end up being about bacon. Well, you know, I mean, I think it takes up. You do a lot of posts about baking, but I, I enjoy all of them. cats. Uh, yeah. Cats. That ca- well, that's what got me in trouble a long time ago when I first started. Was the whole cat thing? Slippers. Slippers for cats. No, so you, you don't know that story. That's, a, that's a no. one of your podcast. Oh gosh. So I, I, when I started for very briefly in 2012, I, I was trying. I was going to sell direct. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is when I would ship out the cigars, I would put something in the box extra. 
a cutter, uh, a, a lighter, you know, usually not anything that big, but it's always something small. It was always right. something weird that I would throw in the box. Because I always think it's like Christmas, you know, it's like if you get a package but you don't know what it is. Right. Like I order way too much stuff off Amazon. So, and I take Ambien at night. So it's just kind of like, <laughs> what did I order last night on, on Amazon? So I open the box. I'm like, oh, it's like Christmas. It's like, what's in the box, you know? So I just thought it was really cool to like get something extra in the box that you just didn't know was going to be in there. Right. So I was on a show in 2013 and they said, you know, hey, you know, I know you, you don't sell online anymore. And, you know, but what was the weirdest thing you ever threw in a box? And I said, I said, a kitten. And so what happened was, <laughs> I was just, I was just screwing around. And so what happened was is like literally like two days later, PETA was like all over me no online. Sure. Yeah, you know. And so so then a month later, I'm on another show, and they said, okay, so we got to clarify this whole kitten thing. <laughs> did, did, did you mail a live kitten to somebody? And I said, a live kitten? No. And then of course it took back off. Yeah, it so there are speaking of Easter eggs, there are kittens hidden in different things. Sometimes when I do those, I do have I do have kittens hidden in there. But I did not mail a live kitten, so Peter, please, please do not listen. If you're one of the eight listeners the eight to the listeners? show, uh, please don't start blowing up my. T- the other one I got busted online was I, I did, uh, got the mammoth cutter mm-hmm. from Zycar. Then uh, Scott and Kurt were nice enough to get me one of those, and it's a beautiful cutter, and it's it's literally made from a mammoth tusk, and and I won't take it out of the house because I'm just I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna feel like an idiot, and right. I posted the picture of it, and just there's this woman that was just all over me for promoting endangered species and the killing of them and i'm like this oh my god i'm like this this isn't endangered they're they're gone, they're, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> i'm not promoting endangered species like like that's like like a hashtag promoting in twitter like now, now trending you know right. kill all endangered species and I, 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 so so yeah i i it's fun I, I i enjoy it that's awesome all right so um I guess that pretty much. Well, I, I have a quick Fred story. Ooh. Quick Fred story. Oh. Excellent. Uh, uh, it was now you. I'm worried. No, no, it's a good story because you're very accessible online. You, I mean, everybody can get a hold of you. I, I was in college and I needed the money. Okay, <laughs> so I don't know where this is going, but I'm just going to preface that right now. Uh, no, it was years ago. I had not had one of your cigars because they're hard to find in Florida. At least they used to be. They're not yes, anymore. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's so funny. I lived in Florida and it was like the last state to come online. <laughs> so I was in Missouri. And I wanted to try one of your cigars. So I uh, private messaged you. My wife like, he's not going to answer. That guy owns his own company. He's not going to answer. In all like, fairness, I didn't know who you were. I wouldn't, no, no, I wouldn't yeah, have answered. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't yeah, have answered exactly. had I known who you were. So. <laughs> um, but uh, you answered my message. You told me what store was closest to me that carried your cigar. And you actually recommended three cigars that I should try. You know, it's I, I don't remember what three they were. But I did go to that store and buy them, though. You know, that, but that's what's kind of crazy about the cigar industry. You know, we were. this was a... A skip patio session that we were having down in Esteli, you know, consumers don't even realize how awesome it is and how accessible some of these guys are. Yeah. You know, people that own brands or, or you know, cigar makers, the whole variety of them, right? And and the interactions, like, it's bar none, any comparable to any other industry. I mean, you can't give fucking Pappy a call and say, what's going on with the whiskey? Right. You know? Exactly. Like, that doesn't you happen. You couldn't send Steve Jobs and go, my Apple computer's not working. Right. right. Exactly. You right. know? So, I mean, that, that that is really unique and awesome about about the security. I think, I think the, the guys that are that are like that, that are interactive, and I've seen, and, and so when I started, I was trying to look at people in the industry that I liked what they did. I liked their attitude. I liked where they were. And there were a couple of them. And I was just saying, then you couldn't find any? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm deciding whether I want to go down the story because I'm like, I don't know how much time we have left or whatever. We have like all the time, time you want. So I looked. I, I, I knew Avo, and I loved what an ambassador he was and how he would light up and talking about cigars. And then there's other people that, that you know people know, like Jonathan Drew is a good example. So I was in an event. I don't even think I had my own brand when, when I had seen him at doing an event. And, you know, Jonathan Drew, there was like a line out the door waiting. Right. And I mean, the, the poor guy's hungry. There's there's probably you know fifty people still deep in the line. He's already been doing it for two hours. And what I noticed with him and Matt Booth is another one that I have seen do the same thing. When that person comes up to him, they they get they give him their full attention. Right. They're they're appreciative. They're talking to him. They're looking him in the eye. Mm-hmm. And 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 so when I started, I'm like, I want that level of accessibility. And it gets harder as you get bigger. I, I will admit. I mean. 
Twitter, if I, you know, I'll pull it up now because I've been on Twitter for an hour, and there'll be a lot of comments or people that post. And I, I try to answer all of them, and it's getting harder. But I really respected that element, like you were saying, that that closeness that you get out of these guys. And my analogy was is that you know, if a guy walks into a humidor and look, you know, we want to sell boxes of cigars. Bottom line, it's not in everybody's budget, and right. and quite honestly, it's not like 20 years ago where you bought one box one size. Now you want a variety. What am I in the mood for? We're like wine drinkers now. Right. Right. And so if a guy walks in the humidor and his budget is to only buy three cigars and that's his budget for the week the month whatever and he picks out one of those cigars as mine that means something to me it's not going to move the needle but that guy chose one-third of his cigars to be the brand uh, cigar that i've helped create and that means something to me and i owe him that response i owe him those thanks i owe him the appreciation that he picked mine out of a whole you know ton of great cigars and I think you never want to lose that attitude as a cigar maker, that level of appreciation. And that's why when I look at guys like Matt Booth and Jonathan Drew and, you know, Willie Herrera and stuff like that, these are guys that really give the attention to people and are truly appreciative of it. And it's like kind of like that thing I said earlier about don't believe your own press. These are right. guys that as big as they got, Pete Johnson, the world, stuff like that, they'll still give you the time of day. And certainly when I started... And I was struggling, um, you know, to figure it all out. There were guys like that that came to me and said, "Hey, man, you're going to want to do this, or you're going to want you want to avoid this and stuff like that." That gave me good guidance along the way. So now, where I am, which is still very small, but any any times I can give back to guys that go, "Hey, I'm thinking of starting a brand," I'm like right now, I'm like, "Don't do it right now." But I mean, <laughs> you know, if you can help people out and give them advice, I'm always going to try to give somebody the time of day on that, and particularly, you know, on a consumer. That has taken time out of their schedule, and and I know what it's like. Or you know, being in other industries, when you send somebody a message and you think, oh, they're not going to respond, you get a response. That means a lot, right? Um, yeah. And 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 again, yeah, I think that if the people are doing it right, they're truly appreciative of those people. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that that was the French. What else so you got? That, that, was, that was it. Yeah. Oh man, that was impressive. I mean, you well, know, I'm impressed. I've been saving that for years to wait to tell Fred how much that meant, but. That's awesome. And now all eight people know it. Now eight all people know. Eight. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out. I'm gonna put a link to it. So you'll have like oh, nine. We'll get nine. Eight and a half. Eight, eight and, and a half. half. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um I mean that pretty much concludes it. All everything else that I can say is, you know, please leave us your feedback. Let us know what you uh, like. We are now on Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play, which I'm not sure what that is, but Ooh. we're on that too. So if you don't have an iPhone, you're if you don't have an iPhone, yeah, Google Play was for the Android people, right? Um, yeah, please, uh, you know, listen and if you want to give us your feedback, we appreciate it. We always trying to make this better for you guys. Um, who do you want on the show? If there's somebody that you want in particular that you want me to go track down and, and harass, and until they either you know um, get a restraining order on me or something, should, should we give a personal thing to Skip Martin? I hear he's quite upset that we haven't invited him personally. I gave him a personal did, invite. Did you I, when you I, were I there? let him know. Okay. I let All him right. know. I mean, I'll I'll send, we send some a car for him. Yeah, we'll send the car we, for him. Yeah, I mean, I think that we can do various forms. You know, maybe like a, a telegram of some sort. You know, somebody delivering flowers with some dancing oh, or something nice. like that. That'd be really crafty, though. Oh, it would have to be really something like television. really a one-off invitation. You got to do it all like on stone or something, right? You know, but it would have to end with me on like a FaceTime because he doesn't FaceTime dudes. He gets super fucking angry about it. So like, if he comes into the fact or like if he comes, he doesn't like FaceTime. Yeah. He oh, won't. I am so FaceTiming <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> the second we're done rolling, I am so FaceTiming <laughs> him. <laughs> he, won't, he won't fucking answer. So like, if he goes into Austin, like um, you know, if Danny or or Michael Rosales are there, I'll. FaceTime them like put them on put them on and they'll, they'll go on for two seconds and run the fuck away which is awesome um, but yeah so let us know who, who else you want on the show and we'll uh, we'll do what we can to get them on here um, and if you like what we're doing just uh, please spread the word tell your friends about us you know and uh, what else is that it uh, that's, that's it that's it this all right one. hey all right. Oh, can, they buy, can they buy cigars from you online I'm just curious uh, yeah, do you guys they sure it? can you know oh, okay I was just yeah. curious you, you know what's funny is like I really we when we created this we didn't want to do anything to really promote um, okay, you can add, you can you can edit that. No, out that's cool. Uh, we appreciate the kudos. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know what's funny is a couple of guys have come on and, and they you know have, have mentioned stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is, like, um, I don't give a shit where you buy cigars from. I just care about the industry, right? So that's really the premise of, of this whole podcast. Like when you mentioned Dojo, if you listen to Dojo, fucking hey, awesome. You know, yeah. so the, you know the the more involved you are in the industry, the better. Um, you know. Uh, about you though I think that you're a great marketer you know you do an excellent job of promoting and uh, you're obviously funny as hell so you know I mean I, I always re replay a couple incidents that we have in the back of my head 
um, that really kind of makes me laugh. They're a little bit more personal, so I won't uh, I won't put anything on blast. But so you see, know, I, I PCPR when I completely like was exhausted and snubbed you guys. No, that, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, that oh, was, okay, never mind. That didn't happen. <laughs> that was that wasn't me. That was uh, Spencer Drake. You know what's funny is like you, you if you like I know a bunch of people on Instagram, right? And um, when you meet that person in person. Sometimes you don't identify them because you're in a totally different atmosphere. You're in a totally different realm. But so you, you recognize them, but you're not. Know, you're like, I know that person. Yeah. Like, so like, I get that. You know, I understand that we're in the booth. You know, there's crazy shit going on. You're working on having stuff built out, and so then you you walk past four guys that you you know you just spoke with last week, and you're just like, uh, okay, I don't know, you know. And then of course they're gonna bust your balls about it. Forever. Course, and that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> My thing's names. I don't remember names I'm at yeah, all. Names. I'm horrible at names. Really? Yeah. I yeah, that, thank God both of you have the same name on this show. Yeah, you can't fuck that. I like to make it easy. No, for everybody. really, seriously, Tracy, I want to appreciate you having me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, uh, like I said, you're a great marketer. You're a funny guy. You're a good friend. Um, I love what you're doing. You're making some great blends. The Finalis Mundos, like I said, is is bar none, and I think uh, great things are coming your way. And uh, I look forward to w- everything else that's coming out. Thanks, I appreciate so. it. All right, that's it. Thanks you everybody for listening. Bye. Bye bye. All right, gang, that's it. Show's over. Time to put out that cigar and get back to work. Ain't nobody gonna do it for you. Everybody get hustling. I'm a thick motherfucker. I sit this on his lap. With my hand on his shooter, I lay them niggas back. Got something for them niggas that react. I'm a bad motherfucker. I got this nigga back. Whoa. She said, I know you ain't have yourself a good dick bitch in a minute. I saw some pictures of your boot up. It looked like you're starting to like I'm skinny. <laughs> I said, girl, you're a trip. She said, I might be a trip, but I ain't tripping. She said, why she so good? They leeches like Robin. I said, no Robin Givens. She was sitting on my lap. And you know a nigga strap. I know she feel it. It's crazy out here, I'm just protecting myself, you know I'm winning She said, I get it, and if anything was to happen to you, I be living You ain't gotta worry about that, I kill a pussy nigga, put his head on exhibit Come on missing, think they caught a big fish till his body come up dripping I treat her legs like a grand opening, smiling while I cut the ribbon I took a pill, she took a pill, it was chilling 20 minutes, now we feel it She said, I know you probably hear this shit a lot, but you the shit in my opinion I said it never gets old, thought I'd never say never, but I did it She said, who you kidding, boy, you like a big bitch, big booty, big titties I admit it, big booty, big titties I admit it